Hello and welcome back to FinalWhistle.ie for episode two of the rugby show. We've got a huge episode lined up for you this evening. I'll be joined by Leinstern Railway Union player Amy Clark to discuss her season so far and Sligo head coach Paddy Pearson. I'll also be joined by Kieran Noble to review and preview all of the action in the AIL. So joining me now will be Kieran Noble. Kieran, welcome back to the show and what a first weekend of action that we had. Yeah, it was really good, Luke, to be fair. Uh, hopefully no one was reading my uh, previews beforehand because I stuck a few predictions in there. And I don't think many of them went to plan, but that just kind of sums up the AIL in general. Like, you can't really predict what's going to happen. So, yeah, it was a really good weekend. Some really good performances across the weekend. I think the one we have to start with is probably Van the Hinch beating Lansdale. And I think that was that shocked everyone pretty much. Uh, I know Lansdale had their uh, 150th uh, dinner on Saturday night so I think that was spoiled a little bit but after a few points they were probably all right but uh yeah not the way they would have wanted to start the season and huge credit has to go to Ballon Hinge because not many people gave them a chance including myself going into that game absolutely and especially with the season that they had last year being in that relegation battle with UCC um, and they're really making themselves out to be one of the, the early season favorites aren't they yeah, well, I suppose it was a good start for them. Like, you don't really know if that was just, you know, a one-game thing. Like, I heard some people writing Lansdowne off afterwards. You can't really write them off like you're only a game in. And same with Ballon Hinch. You still don't really know what you're going to get from them this year. Hopefully, it's more competitive from them. And hopefully, for them, they can keep uh, up this good form. But for Lansdowne, I suppose, they just, they just it doesn't get any easier for them because they have Clontarf this week away. So, yeah, the only positive for them really was Donal Lawler played number eight and he's a fantastic player. He got on the score sheet. Um, I heard only yesterday that maybe, uh, I'm not sure yet, I have to get it confirmed, but Sam Prendergast, he might not be playing for Lansdowne this year, possibly not. And if he's not, that's a big loss in my opinion. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. But yeah, massive credit to Ballinahinch. They were excellent at the weekend from what I saw and a great way for them to start the season. And another team who really pushed last year's champions all the way was UCD. And they led for parts of the game against Clontarf. And uh, in fairness, Clontarf did come back and, and win 24-19. Um, and they're playing Lansdowne this weekend. Clontarf, were you impressed with them to, to come back against? It really was a, a strong UCD performance. Yeah, I actually got to go to that game. So I seen it all. And yeah, UCD were excellent. Like probably, I seen them a couple of times last year and that was probably the best performance I've seen from them. So there was a lot of positives for them. And uh, Tim Corkery played really well at out half. David Ryan was great in the centre. Fionn Gibbons. Chris Cosgrave, who I've always been a big fan of, played really well on the wing. Like the thing for UCD is they always have a really good team, really good youthful team, but it's all about the depth for them. Like, because some of those lads get called away to sevens or they get called into the Leinster squad or Ireland under 20. So for them, it's really important to build a squad full of depth and to be able to keep those lads week in, week out is really important for them. But there was a lot of positives um, in that game for UCD, even though they lost. For Clontarf, to be fair, Clontarf's one to eight like, is fantastic. Like Their forwards are unreal. Um, Dylan Donnellan scored two tries. We, we all know he got 19 last season, so... Who knows, maybe he can beat it this year. But uh, yeah, like Clontarf 1-8 is amazing. And then you have like guys like Brian Deeney who play for Leinster, Soroka. Like you've got all those guys that can come in from time to time as well. Like they've got a fantastic team. Ben Murphy's uh, just moved there. So he'll be back once 
the Emerging Ireland Tour is over. JJ O'Dees joined from Old Wesley. He um, got Player of the Year last year in 1B. So, yeah, they're fantastic. And then you've got Matt Darcy in the centre, their captain, who gives it 100% every game. And he was excellent again at the weekend. He really um, surged them on in that second half. And he was very good for them. So, Clontarf have it everywhere on the pitch. But another team like that is Terranior. I think Terranior and Clontarf will be going right at it again this year. Absolutely. And just taking a look at the, the table after match day one, uh, sitting top are Dublin University. And, and Kieran. After their performances last year, followed it up with a, a 50-14 win over Gary Owen. They seem to be a side that just continue to keep getting better. Yeah, for sure. I think I think last year I went to Trinity Lansdowne and Aaron Egan started out half ahead of Mick O'Kennedy. And I think ever since that, he's really made the jersey his own because I know Mick's gone to, he's gone to Old Belvedere now, but Aaron Egan scored a hat-trick at the weekend. Fantastic player. Uh, Colm Hogan as well got two tries. He was with Old Belvedere last year. Really good player at fullback. Trinity, to be fair, are a bit similar to UCD. It's about you know keeping players and making sure that too many lads don't go away. Uh, they've got Paddy McCarthy now. I read during the week as well, and he was excellent for Blackrock College last year in the Skills Cup. So, yeah, Trinity, I reckon they probably will make top four this year. They were very unlucky not to last year. But also, I from what I've heard, Gary Gary Owen aren't that strong this year. So, you know, maybe don't read too much into it. But Trinity UCD this week is going to be a real, based on their performances last week, is going to be really competitive and it's going to be a really, really good game. And as far as I know, Trinity are doing a stream for the game. So, you know, if, if you're at a loose end on Saturday, anyone go and watch it because I think it could be a real cracker. Absolutely, it has all the potential for uh, the first colours game of the season to be to be a real classic. And moving on then to Division One B, um, we had some big results in Division One B, uh, notably with the old Wesley Nace game. We all know what happened in that top four last season, um, but Wesley came out thirty-seven-seven winners. Yeah, I was really impressed with that. To be fair, because as I said a few minutes ago, um, JJ OG and Ben Murphy, who were two really important players for old Wesley last year, have gone to Clontarf. So it was kind of people were wondering, would they be the same team? Would they have a bit of a hangover from last season? But it, it didn't look like it. Like, I don't know if, you, if you've seen David Poff's try at the start of the game, but it was already a try of the season contender. It was a brilliant score. And uh, yeah, like I think Old Wesley were excellent and they really shut, shut a few doubters up at the weekend because they just destroyed Nace. Um yeah, so I think Old Wesley will be near the top again this season in 1B, but I, I said this last week, but I think 1B is uh, way more unpredictable than 1A even, so anything can happen. And Another good game at the weekend was Old Belvedere versus St. Mary's. Some really, I think it was Jaden Pickett. The, I think he's a New Zealander or an Aussie. I'm not, I can't think now, but he started on his debut and he got a couple of tries, I think, or at least one try. So that was good for him. Mick O'Kennedy, as I said, he was with Trinity last year, is playing out half for them uh, this year. So Old Belvedere would have been really happy with that result. But also St. Mary's came back into it and they almost pulled it back. I think they were 30, they were, I think, 21 points down or at one stage or something like that. And they managed to pull it back. So yeah, St. Mary's, obviously, Sean Cronin is their new head coach. So uh, he's obviously got a wealth of experience and it'll be interesting to see what he can do with them. And another huge game this weekend will be City of Armagh against UCC. Both sides enjoyed opening day wins. 
Uh, City of Armagh, they do look like they've shown signs of improvement, obviously beating newly promoted Buccaneers. And you would have expected UCC to be one of them sides at the top, especially after their relegation from 1A. Um, do you think that that could be perhaps the, the clash of the weekend? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I was watching the RFU videos at the start of the season and the UCC captain or the player that represented them on the day was like, oh, we just want to go straight back up. So that's obviously the way they're thinking. They don't want to stick around in 1B. Um, and they'll probably be one of the better teams in 1B this year. And then City of Armagh, they're a strange one because they're a bit of a dark horse. I think, you know, they don't have the maybe deep history like the Marys or the Old Belvedere as well documented. But I think they could be a real dark horse. And they could, like, they came sixth last year and they weren't far off the playoffs really in the end. So who knows what they can do. And they beat a very good Buccaneers team last week who would have been really highly charged. You know, Eddie O'Sullivan's first game. So, yeah, it was really impressive for them. And, yeah, that could be a really good game, I think. Uh, Highfield Nace is on this weekend as well, I think. That should be an interesting game because for Johnny Murphy, he'll want to get a win under their belt and forget about that Wesley performance. And Highfield uh, last year, a bit like Wesley, were way ahead of the rest. So they'll be wanting to uh, get another victory under their belt. Yeah, and just taking a quick look at the table from Division 1B then, uh, sitting up at the top then is Old Wesley, uh, closely followed by UCC, Highfield and Old Belvedere. Obviously, it is um, too soon to be calling any potential winners, but that is how we are looking after match day one. Uh, and then moving on to Division 2A, and there were some huge results. Uh, MU Baron Hall getting a bonus point victory, as did Blackrock College uh, on their return to Division 2A. And um, what did you make of the whole set of fixtures? Yeah, I think it's funny because Blackrock College only really, they only went up last year, like from 2B, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could go up again. Like I, I've said this, like I don't think there's a massive gap in between 2B and 2A, so it'll be really interesting to see what Blackrock College can do this year. Then obviously you've got somebody in Navin. Navin are probably where they, where they should be now. They're back down to a level that's probably best suited to them. What can they do? Um, yeah, Barn Hall did well. Then you've got Queens, you know, Queens will want to go. They probably should have went up last year, taking nothing away from Bucks, but you know, Queens were probably the most unlucky team in the whole country. Like I think it was a the ball hit the post or something and they didn't go up. So but they'll be wanting to um go up this year and yeah, two A's really interesting. Um all the divisions are really, but yeah, I think it could be really interesting there and who knows what'll happen. And it was interesting what you said about Queens there, and it must have been heartbreaking for them to, to lose out in a spot in 1B in that fashion, but they must have taken all that energy out on Dolphin, and they won 69-12, and it was a huge way and a, and a great way for them to start the season, and it's just, like you said, it's about them maybe finishing strong this time around. Yeah, for sure. I think these things can have a really, sometimes they can have a good effect, and sometimes they can have a bad effect if you think about it too much. But obviously, they've just decided they're going to get on with business and they want to try and secure that promotion this year. And another team in Division 2A, which had a, a great win to start things off, it was Nina Ormond. And last year, they were a side who really struggled, I think, with the intensity of the division. But uh, starting their season off with a, a 25 win over UL Bohemian. Yeah, that's good for them. Like, you know, the thing is with the, the AIL, just because you maybe weren't up to scratch last season, it doesn't mean you're not going to be this season. Like, you know... You have to wipe the slate clean and just go again. And who knows, we might get a few teams like that across all the divisions that maybe didn't perform last year, but will perform this year. 
Yeah, definitely. And if we just take a quick look at Division 2A table after match day one, it is Queen's University sitting at the top there as they did for the majority of last season. Closely followed by MU, Barron Hall, Blackrock College, Nina Ormond and Navin with Casho just coming in there behind. Um, so moving on then to Division 2B and we, I think we said last week that it's probably the, the most competitive division of, of the five and that's kind of the way it looks from, from the start. We had Galway Corinthians narrowly beating Rainy Old Boys and Malahide a, a last minute penalty beating Wanderers who, who were one of the, the sides that you backed last year for or last week I should say for maybe a, a spot in the top four. Yeah, I was really surprised by that result to be fair because I really do think Wanderers will get up this year. But the game I was really interested in, and I kept checking my phone to see what was going on there, was uh, Greystones and Escorti, because Greystones would be the obvious favourites, but I really think Enniscorti have been a team on the rise, and I was really, I didn't put money on it, but I was kind of half thinking, you know, could Enniscorti pull off the upset, and they didn't in the end, but like I think Enniscorti could be a really interesting team to watch this year, and I was I was intently looking for a result result in that one. So, yeah, 2B is always really exciting. You've got Belfast Harlequins as well, fantastic team. Uh, Neil Doak's coaching them this year, I believe, Nathan Doak's dad. So, you know, who knows what they can do. Yeah, too. Malahide look really good as well. To beat Wanderers in your first game will give you lots of confidence. Like, And then Corinthians beating Rainy Old Boys, who've just come down from 2A. Like, that's a lot of, that'll do them a lot of good. Um, I've heard positive things about Galwegians in their pre-season, but it didn't go as planned for them at the weekend, I don't think. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Uh, yeah, but in general, 2B will be, yeah, it's probably the pick of the divisions, really, in terms of how close it's going to be. Yeah, and like you said with Galwegians there, there was good things coming through from pre-season, but they did fall to a 33-7 defeat to Dungannon and face another tough task this weekend in a Galway derby against Galway Corinthians. And if we take a, a quick look at Division 2B table there, we'll see sitting top of the table is Dungannon, uh, followed by Belfast Harlequins, Greystones, Galway Corinthians, and then obviously Malahide. Uh, and then a quick run through down to Division 2C. We had a huge game to start us off in match day one, and it was between two of the perhaps favourites, uh, Ballina and Scary for Scary's emerging 29-21 winners. There was also wins for Banger, Gruff, uh, Clan Mail and new boys, uh, Instonians. How impressed were you with Instonians beating Tullamore in, in their first AIL game? Yeah, I believe they scored like a try within, they scored a bunch of tries within a couple of minutes or something or a few minutes. And it's something I went back to last week. I think, especially in junior rugby in Leinster, like in Estonians came up from Ulster, yeah, but I don't think there's a massive gap, you know, from Leinster League 1B or the junior 1B to the likes of the AIL. And I think that proved it. Like, in Estonians could potentially go straight up to 2B. Like, I wouldn't, I don't think they're going to go down. I think they could be, they'll be real contenders to go up and win 2C. Uh, so it'll be really interesting. Like, they beat a very good Bechtov team to get in to the AIL. So I think they deserve to be up there. And I think they could be a real support, surprise package this year, like so. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you there. And if we just take a, a little look at Division 2B table after the first game, um, we see at the top is New Boys Instonians, followed by Clonmel, Banger, Scaries, um, and then Bruff. Um, and then a quick run through to the women's AIL. There was just the one game last weekend, and that was Tony beating Cook 
15-7. And then this weekend, we've got Ballon Colleague against Wicklow, Blackrock College against Galwegians, and then we have uh, Old Belvedere against Cook. Um, and obviously, Suttonians are, are playing Railway Union. That's the, the women's AIL. It's in full flow at the moment, Kieran, and there's some terrific games that have gone on so far. Yeah, Old Belvedere probably have been the best team in it. They've looked really, really good this year. Katie Whelan's playing scrum half for them from Enniscorthy. She's fantastic. She's been really, really good. Then they have uh, Dana O'Brien at out half who got capped for Ireland in the summer or only last month. She looks really good as well. So Belvedere look like a serious team and who knows, maybe they could win it this year. Um, Ball and Colleague are struggling from the results I've seen so far this year. And Wicklow, it's funny with Wicklow, you know, people might say I'm being a bit biased because it's technically my club, but I think, you know, if you rewind 12 months and you see some of the results they got in those first three games against uh, Black Rock, Old Belvedere and Railway, you think, oh, what are they doing here? But now you see they nearly beat UL Bowes a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, they're a team really on the rise and a lot of credit has to go to the coaches, not only the coaches, but everyone that's working hard in the club to make the team better. And I think that's a that's a real sign. No matter what's happening now, you have to think of the bigger picture. And uh, yeah, well done to everyone in Wicklow Rugby Club. I think they'll be they'll be confident they can get the win at the weekend with the way things are going for Ballon Colleague. Uh, Setonians got their first win of the season last week, and they'll be hoping to build on that. But Railway are, you know, Railway are the best in Ireland. So who knows? Uh, you'd probably go for Railway in that situation. But yeah, the women's division. It's a pity, like with Malone, that they're not in it anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a really, a really competitive league, and uh, yeah, I enjoy it so. Absolutely, and Kieran, thanks so much for joining us again this week. And uh, our next guest, uh, I'm sure, is going to have to say a few saying that all the players are looking like the best team in the women's AIL. Yeah, yeah. See you after. Later. Perfect. Thanks, Mr. Kieran. And joining me now, of course, will be Railway Union and Leinster star Amy Clark. Amy, welcome to the Rugby Show. Well, what's the story, Luke? How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. And obviously, our, our AIL expert there uh, did hint at Old Belvedere being the, the best side in women's AIL, but I'm sure you won't agree with that. I was hoping you couldn't hear me backstage. That's all I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't, but I, I could only imagine. And obviously, you're, you're two games in, uh, two wins so far to start the season. Um, what have you made of it so far? Uh, really good. Um, we're definitely building on from what we've made or did last year. Um, but you know yourself when you're coming back from it, such a high of the season we had last year, everybody's kicking themselves and all, which I don't think we should be doing because we're a heck of a lot better to start this season than what we were last season. But what I think about this season is I don't think you can predict anything. Like I remember after the first week, like I seen some of them scores in some of the games, and I was like. A lot of them shocked me, so I think it's really, really good, and it's just showing the kind of push that everything is that's happening, and that all the clubs are pushing for, you know, and it's great to see. Absolutely, we even see Galwegian pushing into one of them top four spots, which if someone said yeah. to you twelve months ago, you, you wouldn't have believed. Oh, gee, I would have asked them what they were on. So never mind what I believed them. Like, I, I actually think regions are sitting above us on the table now. I know some people have get uh, played an extra game, so we're a game behind, but. I, th I think they are above us on the table at the minute. Like, 
Yeah, they, yeah, they are. And it was one thing which um, I, I wanted to speak to you about. Obviously, last year they, they introduced the, the top four and then the conference league. And we had Ella Roberts from Wicklow on last week, and she said sometimes playing in the conference, you're not improving at the, the same level you would be if you're playing against your likes of your railways and your Belvedere's and your Black Rocks. And I was just wondering what your opinion is on, on the split of the league after Christmas. Yeah, I fully, I fully agree with it. I think it's no use playing against. I don't think anyone gets anything from a game where the score is a hundred and odd to no score. I don't think anybody gets from that. Like, there's no build-ons from that. Whereas if you're playing against people who you're constantly competing against and constantly building against, you're only gonna push yourself to get better, which is absolutely ideal. So I can see the positives and the negatives of both of it. But I think it's the way it should be done is the way it's currently being done where everybody plays everybody and it's not split that top four, bottom six, because we're all in the same league together, you know? Absolutely. And then taking you back to last year, obviously won the AIL after that fantastic win over Blackrock College and Donnybrook. And I just wonder if I can uh, jot your memory back to that day and, and when you finally got it over the line, how were you feeling? Just re- relief, to be honest with you. Like I remember sitting on the edge of the seat and like heart in your throat and you're just feeling that it's gone and it's gone and you're looking at the clock and you're like will there be extra time and it's just it's almost like a it was like a ping pong game you're looking at the clock looking at the match looking at the clock looking at the ref like it was unbelievable but as soon as that whistle blown like just felt like like we we have two early morning gym sessions three pitch sessions a week like it just felt that everything we did was just all worth it and like that's a credit to the club and a credit to the coaching staff and a credit to the girls as well you know it just just felt worth it you know absolutely and then uh returning this year then let's say for pre-season or whatever is it difficult to come back as focused and as driven after winning it the year before or is that hunger even even stronger now for you to go back and, and do it again i definitely think there's a hunger but i also think there's a pressure uh coming off such a successful season last year there's definitely um and that's well, I'll go back to the start and saying that the girls are kind of kicking themselves. Like there's definitely the pressure and the kind of uh the struggle to be like, why aren't we where we were at the end of last year? But I think a lot of people are forgetting that we're leaps and bounds ahead of where we were at the start of last year compared to this year, you know. But um there's definitely a pressure. Uh, I don't know if uh, anybody I train with would agree that I feel a bit of a pressure because I got around like a bit of a head case the whole time, you know. But uh yeah, that's the way it needs to be sometimes. Yeah, and then in preparation for the season, which which are pre-season and stuff, what does a railway union pre-season look like? And is it very demanding? Uh, yeah, but it's nothing, it's nothing nobody could handle, you know? Like, everybody's there from different walks of life, uh, different backgrounds, different, different abilities, different everything. And we all get through it together because the one, the one thing that shines out all the way through is that we're a team. Like, they, we played a pre-match a pre-season game over in Chile and uh, in Paris we played Chile Marzon and everybody came it like so it wasn't just the playing 22 23 everyone came and that's that's just it's such an important thing for me because I'm coming from a, sports with different backgrounds and stuff and it was never kind of that way and just it's just it's family you know that way so the pre-season like it's like you're getting to meet all your friends again like I remember meeting one of the girls and I was like Jeez, I feel like I have no friends because I'm not seeing them on. And as soon as preseason kicked back in, it was just everybody just jolted back together and it was brilliant, you know? So it's class. Like. That's unreal. And tell me a bit more about that that trip to Paris. Um, how long did you go for? And was it just the one challenge match out over there? Well, the first thing I'll say about it, everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. Like, 
we went from the Friday to the Sunday. Friday, Friday, sitting on the plane, ready, buzzing, everybody's gone. It's been delayed for two hours, two, three hours. So we're sitting there at Grand. We get off the flight in Paris, sitting there at Grand. Where's the bus? But the manager comes over. Oh, yeah, the, the bus cancelled on us yesterday. We all had to get taxis back to, to where we were staying. Our head coach, John Cronin, ended up by the Eiffel Tower. We were a half an hour away from the Eiffel Tower. God knows how we ended up there. We ended up with three of the girls. Um, the place we went for our food, I just I remember looking at some of the girls and I was like, you you poor girl, like you shouldn't have ordered that. The hotel we were staying in, I'm not, I'm not even going to comment, just the hotel we stayed in. And then going to the match the next day, where we were supposed to have rooms for meetings and stuff. This didn't happen because we were so late getting there. Then going to the match, we were like, oh, it's only about five minute drive, grand, about a half a minute hour walk. So we we're like, yeah, perfect. This half an hour walk was down the motorway. And I remember, I, I'm a bit of a messer, I won't lie to you. So I was clipping the back of people's heels and kicking up under their feet. And, all, and one of the girls turned around to uh, to give me a slap, probably because I was messing. So I stepped away. Sure, the truck goes past me. One of the coaches pulled me straight back in. They're like, will you stop messing? I was like, oh, sorry. Like so, it was uh, like finally got to the pitch. All of us had done at least twelve thousand steps before the match. I didn't play it, and then we get there and just like, it all just worked. Like we got there, we won. I think twenty eight fourteen, maybe twenty eight five. Um, absolutely unbelievable game. The heat, Jesus, you could have cooked an egg on the walk. Like it was roasting, and like it was just the there was nobody complained. Nobody gave out about anything. It was just, we got there, we got a job done. We had a great game. Chile Marzan are um, in a professional French league. I think they're middle table. And we got there, we showed them what Irish rugby can do and what we can do. And we proved to ourselves what we can do. And then we had to be on in the airport at 5 a.m. the next morning. So you can imagine what that was like after getting away in there. Like. But we all made the flight, which was even more so surprising. But uh, uh, it was it was absolutely brilliant. Like It was class. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm sure there's plenty of teams listening and, and saying, geez, we need to do a, a pre-season railway union style. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you, you did only start playing rugby um, like kind of late on in, in, in your career or whatever. And like, I think you made, did you start rugby in, back in 2017? Started in 2017. Started just as I turned 18. Um, so five years ago, six years this April, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I fell into rugby like I fell head first, not a clue what's going on. Like my first ever match, I was kicking a conversion and it bounced off the post, and sure, one of the girls ran out to, to grab it, and I should tackle her. And the ref's like, you can't, "You can't do that!" But I got I got really really lucky. I got in before the cut out the cut off of ages. So after my first game, the manager of the opposite team was like, "Where where have you been?" And like, "What's?" And I was like, "I'm only at the start." And they were like. There's Leinster trials this Wednesday. I want you there. So the only reason I started in Leinster was because the manager of the other team got there the Wednesday. I remember I had a pair of Dublin GAA shorts on and someone tackled me and they got me by the shorts and whipped me shorts down. Sure, I was still running. I was like, who's this hanging on to me? I uh, got really lucky. got selected with Leinster for sevens, played three sevens tournaments with them. I got even more extremely lucky. Uh, got selected with Ireland sevens under 18s. Played skill games, won gold medals. Like, like I'm, I mean, like you wouldn't believe it. Like if, if if it didn't happen to me, I wouldn't believe that it had happened. Then I was the first ever under 18 to go straight up into 
senior Leinster rugby on my debut. I scored a, a hat trick against Ulster and I ended up finishing that season uh, top try scorer. Like it was like like world win is the only way I can explain it. Absolutely, yeah, and, and it seems like such a, a, a crazy year that you had in oh. Poland. If you can talk to me a bit about how you maybe you fell into it, I know you were a, a Gaelic player beforehand. I've seen yeah, you play yeah. national rules and all. And what was it that really led to you making your first rugby game? So I um I was a footballer. I played county for a while, and I used to dance as well. So I <laughs> I split my time thousands of different ways. And when in my last year of minor, so just going 18, 17, so it was this December, we had trials and long story short, I didn't get selected for the team, heartbroken, absolutely devastated, but I was like, you know what, I've all this spare time now, might as well do something else, and it was actually a girl from Suponians texted me on Facebook and was like, hey, we have a rugby team here, we'd really love if you join, so I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll try it, like, got down there, did three or four training sessions, then went off and played a match, and that the rest is what I just told you like I just uh, I'm always a big believer in like what's meant to be won't pass you by and I, I don't think like I definitely like I've played in America and you know? I like I remember Railway Union sent me to America to play rugby and all like ab- absolutely unbelievable and that none of that would have happened if if I if I was still playing Gaelic now I work for the GAA so I'll never say anything bad about them but that it, it, it wouldn't have happened like yeah, definitely. And obviously you've had some incredible highs over your career so far. And if I was to ask you to maybe pinpoint your favourite sporting moment today, um, what would it be? Ooh, um, favourite sporting moment today. I'd have to say either the first try I scored for Ireland. Uh, I think that was incredible. Or we came second in nationals in America. We lost out by a hair, but like, it was just unbelievable like it was a different animal altogether it was class and then I'm gonna have to say winning winning the double last year was just like cherry on top like it's been I could retire now and I'd be happy I won't because I'm only 23 but I could not be happy absolutely yeah and if any if you did retire you definitely have a uh, titles and achievements that people who played for years would would be jealous of so um I might move into a, a bit of a quick fire um section just to finish this off and um, walk away so I'm ready Amy, if I was to ask you, uh, the best passer of the ball that you played with, who would you say it is? Elsie Hughes. Um, the best tactor? Siobhan McCarthy. Uh, kicker? Chris Coffey. Christine Coffey. Um, leader? Niamh Bourne. Um, and then, who's the joker of the squad? I get a bit of a, a vibe that it, <laughs> some people might say you. <laughs> I, I'd say some people might say me. Um, definitely. But I, I am I am only spurred on by the people around me. So I'd have to say like everybody's a bit of a messer when, when there's a certain person around. So I'm gonna go with the whole squad is a bit of a joker. Like Very if good. I can do that, then, if they if that's allowed. You, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll <laughs> okay. that and then if I was to ask you uh, maybe a rugby idol or a sporting idol when you were growing up, who would you say to me? Oh, um I do you know I've actually been asked this before and I'll have to say Lindsay P. So, so it's like it's absolutely class that I get to play with her now. But like that woman has gone and played every sport under the sun, and played high at every sport as well. And do you know what? I think she's only become an idol since knowing her because she's just absolutely an incredible person and really helped me in a per- like in my journey in life. And kind of when I was ground- going through some bad stuff and all, like she was like there and 
really helped me. Like so, I'd absolutely say poor. Absolutely, and and they've all been great answers. Amy, thank you so much. Uh, I wish you all the best for the rest of the season, um, and it's been great to have you on. Cheers, absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Perfect, thank you. So now I will be joined by Sligo head coach Paddy Pearson. Paddy, welcome to the rugby show. How's it going, Luke? You well? I'm very good. I'm very good. Um, AIL, it's back in full flow. Um, How glad are you that the season's back? Pretty happy, eh? I guess it was a it was a long off season for the lads because there was no sort of promotion playoffs or anything like that or relegation, thank God. So um, we kind of got back into it early enough. Um, I felt like that had a good enough rest and um, sort of we were straight on the pitch at the start of July, I think it was. Yeah, and obviously one game in, uh, a very like one of the most difficult trips that you're probably going to have this season is an away game against Belfast Harlequins. It did end in defeat, but was there positives for you to take from the performance? Um, I guess there was. It was a difficult. It's pretty disappointing to lose, to be honest. Um, we certainly weren't clinical enough. Um, probably too conservative as well. We didn't really go for go for the tries when we probably could have. We knew the weather turned. We we're going to going to be into some nasty wind in the second half, and sure enough, that's what happened. So um, the body count um, got hit pretty hard as well. So we're sort of one of those things where. Away games can be tough and things can turn against you. So, But I think the defence, even down to 14 men um, in that period, even down the end when we're down bodies, like we didn't let them across the trial line even at the end, even though there was probably the game was out of our reach at that stage, they could, couldn't get past us. So that was that was very pleasing. Absolutely. And then a uh, game against Malahide at home uh, to start off your, your home campaign then. Uh, they had a, a very good win against uh, Wanderers, who would have been one of the, the probably the early favourites to to go up in the in the preseason rankings and stuff. And um, I'm just wondering, uh, do you prepare a different kind of for, let's say, an away trip to Belfast Harlequins as you would to a, a home game against Malahide, or is it always kind of the same regime? It's pretty pretty much the same. I think there's probably not too much difference in them. Um, it's the thing like Malahide. Probably no one expected Malahide to beat Wanderers, but I. I I think this league is going to be tit for tat. You're not going to get any unbeaten teams. It's going to be anyone can beat anyone. If you're if you're not quite on your game, or you might take it lightly, or you're maybe missing a few players, um, you could get stung pretty hard. And I think that might be the perfect example of what happened last week. So we'll be expecting a tough game. They're a big, big pack, and um, we're going to be have to be on our metal. But as far as as far as preparing goes, um, we pretty much structure it the same for away games and home games. Obviously, we had to do an overnight, but generally match days are pretty much pretty similar. Yeah, and then, like you said earlier on, um, your, your pre-season, like the lads had a, a very long off period. Um, I was just wondering, what does a, a pre-season look like under Paddy Pearson as a head coach? And is is there any um, crazy drills to get the lads in shape? There's, uh, I pretty much handed over the reins to Kieran O'Connor, ACNC fella this year, and gave him a fair amount of rope to let loose and... Uh, there was a fair bit of chat. It was the hardest preseason I've ever had. So um, hopefully that pays off for us. Uh, they are very fit. I guess we're in a unique situation where um, we have probably more than half our team don't live in Sligo. So we have to come up with different ways. We have uh, training groups in Dublin. We have training groups in Galway. Um, lads are very committed. They travel back on Tuesdays when we when we need to train all together. And then we do Zooms and different things. So it takes a lot of commitment from the lads and a sort of lot of thinking outside the box to um, try and get the work done. 
Yeah, it really does. And um, it, obviously a pre-season like that is only going to help them in the long run. Um, you were obviously the Sligo coach before. Um, you weren't in charge um, last season. Uh, what made you want to come back and kind of uh, pick up where you left? Um, I kind of probably always wanted to come back. I was sort of coaching for five or six years and um, sort of busy with work and stuff as well. And I just felt I didn't want to start not enjoying it. Um, I get on really well with the lads. I have a lot of time for them and my management team and stuff. And I just thought now's the time to sort of step back, which I tried to do the year previous before COVID. And the coach that they had fell through last minute. So I just, it was too close to the season and I didn't want to sort of leave them in the lurch. So I said I'd stay on uh, for that season. But then it got cut short anyway. So I had a good break now. I wasn't necessarily planning on coming back this year. I think the, the coach previous to me was going to stay on and then he got another job so um with a bit of agreement from my wife um i managed to slip back in there that's it that's it that's the agreement you need and i was just wondering as someone like you were so involved with sligo for years and then to maybe take a step back last year do you still always kind of watch in with an outside eye and check on the results and perhaps go to a couple of games oh absolutely i go to every game i can just to support the lads yeah um mostly home games um, but I got to a couple of away games as well. Um, I tried to get on the Magic Bus a couple of times with our, our famous supporters, but um, didn't quite eventuate. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely, I still would be, be in communication with a lot of them and um, support them as much as I could the last year. Yeah. Yeah, and last year, Sligo emerges um, kind of really, really in the running for a top fourth place pretty much up until Christmas, until the first half of the season. And then we saw a slight maybe downward spiral towards the second half of the campaign. And as maybe someone close to the club, do you know why that was happening? Was it, like you said, uh, the travel or just kind of the effects of a long season? I think it was a bit of everything. I When I, the games I saw, I, I think they left too many points behind them at the first half of the season. Like it's very tight. And if you're dominating games, you need to be picking up bonus points, especially at home. So, um, they picked up four or five bonus points throughout the season. They probably could have got, you know, they, they would have found themselves in the top four, even maybe dropping off a bit of form and different things. They probably would have still been in there. So that's how tight the AAL is, and especially in um, this league. Um, There'll be no different this year, I'd imagine. Yeah, and what would make this year a successful season for yourself and for Sligo? And have you really have you set maybe goals to meet for the lads and uh, maybe set promotion as, as the target? Yeah, so we set goals at the start of the year. Um, we get the lads to set the rugby goals and set their own goals outside of rugby as well, which was really important for us um, with the college and work and just home life and stuff. Um, first goal was to win the Senior League. Um, turned into a bit, bit of a mess. We had one game less. Corinthians pulled out on us in the first game. And then um, with, in Connacht, we only have four games and you want to kind of get them all in so you can build some build some structure in your team and then um, a few injuries and we end up missing out on points difference to Buccaneers. They scored in the uh, last play of the game. So disappointing. We get, we didn't tip that off and we missed out on Bateman Cup then. But um, top four is probably where we need to be. And I think it's where we should be with the squad we have. Um, you can't always count for injuries and in certain positions are harder to fill than others. But um, rough start for us. Um, but, you know, I think we'll be fine. Um, we have enough good players and enough deaths and we sort of trust everyone that comes in. Uh, development team players or whoever they are, squad players, we always trust them to come and do a job when they when they put the jersey on. 
Yeah, and, and like you kind of said there about with the injuries, especially last week, and what is the squad depth like around the squad, and um, what players are you expecting to be to be missing for this weekend? Um, we sort of we we took about we took sort of four or five really bad injuries in the in the weekend. Um, a couple of them looked like they might be coming through. Um, Jack Keegan's he's definitely out. Um, he's got uh, broken ribs, um, so. That'll that'll force a change there. Um, we sort of we're still waiting on sort of late fitness physio things to come through this week, so we probably won't know until maybe Thursday evening. Um, but I expect we'll be missing two or three lads, uh, key lads, coming into Saturday. But um, we just you know we'll just back whoever jumps in there and we'll just get on with it. It's going to be like that all year, so there's no point in sort of dwelling on it. You just got to look look forward. Absolutely, yeah. and it's a very long season, and I suppose a lot of teams are going to have them issues throughout the season. Um, I'm just wondering, when it terms to maybe players in reserve that are coming in, do you, do you fully back them to be able to perform as good as you, like some of the players that you mentioned there? Yeah, absolutely. We train, we all train together on a Tuesday, so um, we had a really good session last night as well, and I'm seeing a great progress in the young lads coming in, and um, that's what you need um, because. Even with the lads, if I don't get them to travel back, you rely on them lads to get a quality session in. So um, the best part of that is they can step straight into your structures then if, if they're called upon. And we've already seen it in the senior league. Um, we're missing a number of lads, and they just jump in and get on with it. So it's great. It's great for the Sligo as a whole and try and get the development team back um, going well as well. And I'm just wondering what the backing is like for, for the AIL side. Um and you've had a few great women in charge of the club over the last uh, couple of years, obviously the current and then the former president of both the women in the club. And um, I'm just wondering what are they like to deal with and um, how good of a kind of a family setting is it around uh, Sligo? Oh, it's a massive family setting. Um, obviously, you mentioned Claire Story there, who was the, one of the first women presidents. She's a, she's a legend of a woman. Now we have Jean McConnell as president as well. So even actually just the women in general, the women's teams are, are really strong now in Sligo and there's a lot of push behind it and it's, it's the best thing for a club and even from New Zealand, when when women's, when the women's teams are strong in a club, the club's always strong. So that's important for us. Um, just the, in Sligo, you're sort of out on your own and I'd say it'd be fair to say we probably have the best supporters in the country and they follow us around on the Magic Bus every weekend. Um, obviously, it hurts when you don't get the win for them, they travel up to Belfast. Um, I know they had a great day out. The Claire was actually struggling to get them back on the bus um, to leave. I, I seen the bus driver pacing up and down the car park a few times. Um, but, like, they're massive and they mean a lot to our team. And um, that sort of runs through then through the club. So they're huge for us. And hopefully we can do that. We get them some good wins this year. Uh, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. And you're originally from New Zealand. Um, and I think... The, the obvious question to ask is how did you end up in Sligo? So I ended up in Sligo. I sort of had the opportunity. I was playing in Canterbury there and um, had the opportunity to maybe come overseas for an off-season, just train and play and work and just mainly sort of concentrate on rugby um, in between the seasons. And a friend of mine, Jamie Livingston, was um, he actually played a couple of years in Sligo and he said, oh, would you come over to Sligo and play? And... Uh, Next thing you know, um, I, I land in Sligo. Um, and it was a bit of an eye-opener, to be honest with you. Um, but straight away, um, fitted in. It was a good crack. 
Yeah, and um, I'm just wondering, you've obviously had a, a long career as a, as a player and a coach so far, and I'm just wondering if you could maybe pick out one moment that stands out to you as perhaps your, your favourite sporting moment. Um, uh, probably in New Zealand, I was actually lucky enough to win um, some Div 1 titles and stuff, but probably over here, um, sort of when we set out, it's like it was a junior club, and they sort of had a five-year plan to um, get into the AIL. And I think we managed to do it in two years, um, 2010-11. Um, we sort of knuckled down and decided we can have a real good crack at this. We had a good team, all local lads, some really good players, and um, went on and won the, the League and Cup double in Connor and got uh, promoted to the AIL. That was sort of even the, the nights and days afterwards celebrating. You still would talk about them every now and then. They prop up. Um, we are just actually having a laugh about them the other day. Some of the like the moments you'll never forget, and even the players that would have played in that time, they'll, they'll never forget that as long as they live. And hopefully the lads coming through, you try and tell them sort of cup wins and stuff like that. You know, it's a memory you'll have forever, and it's, it's, it's quite special. Absolutely, and hopefully for Sligo's sake that you'll be able to recreate some of their memories uh, maybe at the end of the season. Um, and then just to finish this, Paddy, with a with a potential quick fire round of questions, um, I might ask you some some players that you've played with and, and what their best attributes were. So if you just uh, can give me the first player that comes to your head. The the best player or just attributes? Uh, so maybe the, be the best all-round player that you played with, someone who could do it all, kick, tackle, pass. Um, uh, Andrew Murdens would have to be probably the best player I've played with um, in Christchurch, the All Black first five. Um, he, he's a special fella, a um, bit of a piss taker, but um, the skill set he has was um, probably second to none from what I'd ever experienced growing up. Um, luckily, I'm, I'm getting pretty old, so All Blacks and Super Rugby players play club rugby and rep rugby and stuff back then, so you come across them every week, but uh, he, was, he was a different breed. Um, the best tactor that you ever played with? Ooh. Oh, that'd have to be uh, Ben Herring. Um, geez, I don't know if any of your listeners would know these fellas now, but he actually played Leicester Tigers as well. Played for the Hollanders and the Hurricanes back in New Zealand. Very good. Um, maybe the uh, best kicker that you played with? Oh, that's Mertz, 100%, yeah. Daniel Carter's uh, not too bad, but Mertz, yeah. Uh, best passer? Uh, Byron Callagher. Probably one of the best passers to come across, yeah. Um maybe a rugby idol for you growing up or, or kind of um, when you're aspiring to start playing rugby? Yeah, I think probably there's a few legends back in Otago when I was growing up in Otago, but um, one fella I sort of come across when I was a bit older was Reuben Thorne. Um, and he was, I know he was all black captain, but he would come back and play club rugby. Um, just real down to earth, real good fella, um, real good leader. Um, if Div 1 weren't playing that week, he'd go and play for Div 2. Um, stuff like that. He was just a um, real grounded, grounded lad. And on top of that, he'd give you his credit card to go on the pistols after the game. So. Well, that, that's always yeah. a bonus. And I might just ask you one just kind of Sligo orientated um, from your playing and even maybe your coaching days. Um, who's the, the biggest mess or, or, or joker that you came across in the squad? Oh, geez. There's, there's an, a long list. Um there's a few characters. We have a few country boys like the Gormleys. They've got characters that are into their bees and uh, different things. Um, Michael McMurrow, Chewy, um, 
uh, all Island chess champion. He's a, he's a bit of a character and he's still floating around um, running the show up in Sligo with the crack. That sounds absolutely brilliant. And Paddy, I wish you nothing but best of luck uh, for the rest of the season. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. Good man. I'm afraid that is all that we have time for here on the rugby show tonight, but we'll be back next weekend. Thank you so much for your time and see you again.